Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 29 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today reviews the building blocks for an effective due diligence system. This is the second episode in a three-part series on due diligence and third-party risk management. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Before we get started, let me remind you that the Volkoff Law Group can help you and your company to design and implement third-party due diligence programs to mitigate corruption and other risks. We provide practical and cost-saving solutions that meet Justice Department and SEC expectations and avoid unnecessary procedures and services. Specifically, we help companies create risk-based due diligence programs, conduct independent due diligence review of third parties, provide you with an opinion of counsel letter that stands by our recommendations and creates an advice of counsel defense, and we conduct independent due diligence screening, review, and investigations and audits. Please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com or call me at 240-505-1992 so that we can discuss how we can help you implement a top-of-the-line due diligence program. In today's episode, I'm going to review the building blocks for a due diligence system to manage third-party risks. This is the second in a three-part series. Today's episode outlines the specific components of a due diligence system. Part three will address specific fact patterns and problem solving. Let's review the specific steps that you need to undertake to build a due diligence system. An effective due diligence system has to cover the following. An initial identification and screening procedures, risk, third-party risk monitoring, third-party risk intervention, renewal of relationship and screening procedures, and auditing, proactive and reactive strategies for auditing. First, a company has to identify the type and number of third parties. Depending on the overall number and the general risk profile, the company should determine whether to automate their third-party system. Automation has become now a key ingredient ingredient to a third-party risk management system. Automated solutions reduce the burden of of protocols, documents each step in the process, and provides an auditable trail for the due diligence program. The return on investment for an automated system is typically high. When classifying third parties, the following categories should be helpful. Agents who stand in the shoes of the company and represent the company in selling products and services or securing regulatory approvals. Distributors who purchase and resell your products or distributors who take possession of products on consignment and then sell them to customers. Sub-agents and sub-distributors retained by your agents and distributors. Consultants, lobbyists, tax professionals and other professionals, customs brokers and immigration service providers, vendors and suppliers, whether or not they represent the company, local nominees, directors in specific countries, and other officials who have powers of attorney needed to represent the company. Once you identify all of your third parties, it's important then to classify your third parties based on the role and the risk 
the countries of operation, and the amount of revenues or spend involved in your specific relationship with that uh, particular third party. Second, the company should adopt a written due diligence policy that captures all the requirements for onboarding, for renewing, for monitoring, and for auditing its third parties. Third, the company should prepare a draft questionnaire that can be incorporated into an automated program and tailored to the specific circumstances or type of third party. A questionnaire usually should include the following topics, and don't take this as an exhaustive list, but this is just a, a practical sort of list of topics that should be uh, covered. Basic company information, including address, website, public or private company, qualifications and industry experience, at least two business references, other companies that the third party represents or has represented, business licenses, permits, and or registrations, background information on company directors and principal officers, background information on company owners and shareholders, background information on all entities owned by or under common control with the candidate company or individual, all the proposed sub-agents or sub-distributors that would be part of the relationship, Government positions held by any of the above-referenced individuals, immediate family members, or business partners. Identify who the financial auditor is for the third party. Provide bank account details. And then also examine their business ethics and conduct for the candidate, meaning do they have a code of conduct? Do they have compliance policies? Do they have a training program? Review their compliance program. And finally, some basic questions that have to be asked for the company, the officers or directors who are involved, or, uh, and by officers I mean all principal managers, including like a general manager, and whether or not they've had any situation where they've had a civil or criminal action over the last five years except minor infractions or a divorce settlement, any regulatory body investigation or administrative action or sanctions imposed in the last five years, bankruptcy, insolvency, or reorganization procedures in the last five years, or if they've been barred from participating in any government program or government contracts in the past five years. So now that we have a questionnaire, the next uh, step, the fourth step is the company should develop a business sponsor justification form. The internal sponsor should complete the form to document the reason for proposing to hire the third party, how the individual met the third party candidate. Obviously, this applies more to agents and distributors and representatives than it does to vendors and suppliers. Fifth, the company should set up a basic due diligence process that includes the business justification that I just mentioned, the questionnaire that we outlined, and relevant documentation and open source intelligence screening uh, through one of the many vendors that are available, which is usually included also as part of an automated platform. At a minimum, third parties should be screened through this platform at inception, the beginning of the relationship, and any renewal of uh, the contract or the relationship. If the basic screening and review process identifies potential red flags, whatever process you set up must identify and resolve those red flags 
document that resolution and make sure that the risk is mitigated, the potential risk is mitigated. There are a number of ways to respond to a particular red flag and it obviously depends upon the nature of the red flag. First, you can follow up and interview the candidate on the specific issues and ask the candidate if the information is true or not and to provide an explanation. Second, you can conduct additional investigation of the candidate, including possible interview and or site visits uh, to gain greater understanding of the candidate's operations. You can use contractual provisions to mitigate risk and specifically identify and respond to to a, a specific red flag. There are many sort of general contractual provisions that are maintained, which include certifications that they will comply with the law, audit rights, termination rights, that they assurances that they are not a government official or a former government official. All of those can be used, but also contractual provisions can be used in a more specific way to address specific red flags that come up. So now one other important uh, part of a, a, a due diligence system has to be that you have to build in advice of counsel review and approval. An advice of counsel program for higher risk candidates ensures that hiring of a third party has two levels of protection the internal due diligence process that you create at your company, and the blessing by outside counsel and reliance on outside counsel's recommendation to proceed with the third party. The outside counsel memorandum can include a general conclusion that based on all the facts contained in the file, counsel has not identified any significant risk of FCPA or any other applicable law violation, which would prevent the company from engaging the third party. Seventh, we need to, a company needs to implement a monitoring program that includes the following, regular risk ranking of third parties quarterly to two times a year, responding to open source intelligence notifications or other reports of a change in status of a particular third party, and internal notices or concerns expressed from the third party relationship manager within your company. Based on risk ranking or response to open source no, uh, notification or some alert from within the company, then you can assign different monitoring tools. There are many tools that can be used. That can, they can include audits, transaction testing, spot checks, invoice sampling, visits or meetings, additional training, or even conducting a fresh due diligence, depending upon the information that is learned. Eighth, and the eighth and the final part of our system relates to design and implement an annual third-party audit plan that is separate and apart from the monitoring program and the interventions that I've just discussed. Such a proactive auditing plan should be based on specific risk formula, including the country involved where the third party operates, the revenue that the third party may be responsible for, or if the third party is responsible for an important permit or regulatory approval that is critical to the business, the type of representative, meaning are they acting on your behalf or not, and the existence of any outstanding concerns. Audit resources should be assigned based on relative rankings. These audits can be focused on financial and or compliance issues. Such audits can include a variety of techniques. One, formal financial and compliance audits. 
Two, issue spot checks on specific issues. Three, transaction testing. Four, desktop or even phone audits that can be conducted and documented. Every uh, audit here would be documented. These are the variety of audits that are available. Some are more time and resource intensive, and others are more to verify certain information or do a, a checkup and make sure that no further intervention is necessary. Well, thank you very much. That's the end of part two. See, uh, join us for part three when we talk about specific problems in the third-party dili- third due diligence area. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve 